Have you ever had that moment where you took a second look? Strange lights in the sky, odd sounds in the dark, shadowy figures from the corner of your eye. You never know when you might encounter the unknown, lying in bed at home, out for a drive, or perhaps on a camping trip with friends. Hi, I'm Karen. And I'm her partner, Wayne. And we hope you'll let us take you through the dark and unfamiliar. Hey there. We're going to talk about Route 66 today. Oh, that's a oddly benign topic. No, it's it's not. Well, I guess it is, but all right. So why Route 66, which when we delved into it, it's got so much information that it's overwhelming. So we decided we're going to talk about it, give you a little info that you may have or you may not have. And then we're going to talk about our experiences because we actually rode part of Route 66 way back when, when we got out of the military. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was quite an experience. So here's the information. Route 66, also known as the Mother Road, so coined by John Steinbeck in his classic novel, the Grapes of Wrath. Oh, what? Did I go say the Grapes of Wrath? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, grapes of Wrath. The Grapes of Wrath. So, um... As far as you I know, know, you're correct. Yes, it's the Grapes of Wrath. Why Mother Road? Well, because the road itself became a conduit for people trying to escape the dust bowls of the Midwest and find prosperity in California working as migrant farm workers. Um, well, not migrant, but you get the idea. Today, we have a lot of immigrants and migrants who perform these tasks. Back in the uh, Depression era, it was um, the citizens of Oklahoma, etc., you know, just trying to escape the bleakness of Depression era. But uh, I'm sure it was real bleak because we tried watching several things about it. And I'm like, yeah, your mom was right. Yeah, the my mom stinks. My mom grew up the, during the Depression, so I have a sort of insider's view from that perspective of how difficult it was. Um, but Route 66 is also known as Main Street America, and it starts in downtown Chicago. There's an actual plaque. Uh, I haven't seen it yet because we haven't actually made it into Chicago itself since we moved to Illinois because of the pandemic, but um, I would like to one day, and it runs all the way out to the Santa Monica Pier. You obviously can't drive onto the pier. You have to stop and then walk. What? That's what? not right. <laughs> Could you imagine people like, I'm following Route 66 going right onto the pier. To its um, end and all the people. I'm just having bad scenes. Bad of... scenes of cars going off the end of the pier. Yes. Um, it was birthed in the summer of 1926, and Eisenhower, good old Ike, killed it in 1956 um, when he came back from Europe where he had seen these motorways that covered you know entire parts of the continent and saw that they were streamlined and fluid and they got people moving and he decided that that's what he wanted for America. Um, so what happened with that? Well, he got the Federal Aid Highway Act passed, which funded... No, his- I'm talking about roads now. What happened with that? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, pr- I, when I looked into the research prior to Route 66, you had roads running north-south on the East Coast where most of the early settler, well, excuse me, colonizers lived. And um, 
this was huge because this was now going to run east to west, west to east, and basically opened up a huge motorway that allowed farmers to get things to market quicker, um, which today we look at it and say it's you know antiquated because it literally stops at every town. But that was important, right? I mean, there's something to be said for um, progress, but at the same time, what are we sacrificing to get to that progress? Are we sacrificing the lives and livelihoods of small town individuals who are dependent on these, you know, arteries that you know basically run out into the um, entire country? So um, anyway, Route 66 became so iconic and so well known that it spawned its own song by a returning um, ex-Marine who came home from World War II and penned the song Get Your Kicks on Route 66. Uh, then they had a TV show, which was actually not filmed entirely in Route 66, even though that was the premise of the show. But um, like I said, when the Highway Act was passed, Interstate 40 would come into play and, and basically uh, take over and they just began shutting down sections of Route 66 after that. And when I was in my reading, it was really disheartening because there are towns that died overnight. Like, literally entire parts of the town would leave, you know, because there was no more cars coming in. And Yeah, you know what that's called? We're getting the fuck out of here. There's nothing going on here. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's cool because, I mean, it's not cool in a good way. It's cool to think about how something which seems simple, an interstate versus a local highway, could radically change the dynamics of a small town, but it's true. Well, no, it, it's very true. Think about it. You have this corridor of a two-lane road yeah. running, through the, running through towns. All, all these towns were getting this influx of, you know, commerce and people, some good, some bad. But all in all, it was still commerce for them. And then an interstate comes through, yeah. bypasses your town. Your town dies like yeah, I mean, it, that overnight. You, what happened there? Why? Well, I, I think it's really important to know from a historical perspective how much Route 66 affected people first in the positive and then took that away. Because having access to roads and um, having access to the economy that's provided by travelers is essential. And, you know, when we talk about how much America has changed, we have to take into the account, you know, that, yes, many things were pushed forward in the name of making it faster, making it more efficient, but... We gave up a lot for that. And a lot of those towns, you know, where did those people go? What did they do for a living after that? And Route 66 had its had its dark side, and I'm not talking supernatural. There were a lot of towns that were known as, um, you know, you couldn't be there after dark if, if you were a black or brown citizen of our country. And that's horrific. You know, they, they published their own guidebook that would basically say, yeah, you can be through this town or no, you can't. So, you know, it, it came with a lot of benefits, but there was definitely a side to it that perpetuated the systemic racism that we have today. So um, you, can't, you can't take one without the other. But what happened to them in answer to that? They died. I mean, there, there are ghost towns after ghost towns just sinking back into the earth all along. I was about highway. to ask about that, ghost towns, yeah. that nature is reclaiming, right? Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, and you look at pictures of them and, and, you know, 
you and I've always said, like, we're kind of fascinated by abandoned places, not even necessarily being haunted, but just abandoned. That is the scariest thing, if you think about it. It's structures standing there, unmaintained, nature retaking them, animals retaking them. And then you, as the outsider, interloper, go into them, and what happens to you? What do you find? What do you feel? I mean, I always feel the weird energy. Like, I start to immediately think about who lived here, what what brought them joy, what brought them sorrow, mm. you know, what eventually caused them to leave. I think the most depressing show you and I ever indulged in... After for, People. After People, yes. We, we did like four episodes, I think, and then we just couldn't take it. And for anyone wondering what that show is, it takes you through what would happen to various cities... Um, once we were gone, basically wiped out by whatever extinction event you want to imagine, when there's no more people to maintain or you know increase the amount of development, they would show you through, um, I think it was CGI all, they would just show you how the weeds would take it, how the earth would reclaim it. it was, it's fascinating at first until you start to just really think about the fact that there's, there's no humanity left, and that just gets really depressing. So four episodes, we were done. Bye-bye. Don't want to see that anymore. But Route 66, you said earlier, two lanes. Let me point out that because of those two lanes, which were twisty, poorly engineered, and very narrow, Route 66 was also known as Bloody 66 because there were a ridiculous amount of traffic accidents. And you and I have lived places where there are very small rural roads, and I can only imagine if you're traveling poorly lit, going through town, up hill and dale, crossing over areas where it's very heavily wooded. It had to get pretty dicey at times, and a lot of people died. Like, a lot of people. I don't have the exact number, but when, I remember when I read it, I was just horrified to think that many people just, boop, took, over, took it over the side. Well, maybe that's why they say get a good eight hours of rest before driving. Maybe, yeah. Pull over and sleep, people. And we've done our road trips. We've done a lot of road trips. And we'll get into that later, why we had our biggest road trip covered. Yeah, I'm just going to put it to the, I'm just going to put it this way. The amount of times I spent in a vehicle, the calluses on my ass have calluses. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, those are kind of the the essential facts. I mean, there's more details you can look up. And I really am going to recommend Fodor's is a website I used. Um, there's also a great, great organization. I'll put all the links on the description for the episode called the National Historic Route 66 Federation because um, it's suffered, it, not suffered, it's basically gone through a, a huge resurgence in the last uh, two decades with people really wanting to travel down Route 66 and, and relive the memories um, of maybe what they've read about or what their grandparents talked about. Because a lot of things came out of Route 66 that are still with us today. Like, I discovered that motels were basically invented along Route 66. They didn't really exist. What what you had were called tourist camps, or they were called cottages, and they were little camping areas set up along the side of the road and federally supported, so they would have hosts who would stay there and provide you with food or water or gas if you needed it, and people would pull off for the night, and these eventually morphed into those lovely, iconic roadside motels, some of which you see today. Um, They've gotten pretty glamorous in some cases, and in other cases, Wayne and I have seen our share that um, I like to think of as, you know, serial killer breeding grounds, so... 
But yeah, um, we'll go into that. And um, so, tell me, what will our trip be covering today down the fabulous, fun-filled Route sixty six? Well, we're going to cover a few things. We've talked about the history. I think anyone who wants to read more should, but we can talk about some of the um, odd, haunted, weird things that have happened along Route 66. I, I think it, you have to be really clear and, and understand that where there's humanity, weird shit is going to happen. It's just going to happen. And that's obvious reasons. Um, but when you have a highway like Route 66 that touches... So many towns ranging through, I think it goes through seven states, um, and it went into places that were heavily rural and and kind of, God, I hear my Jersey accent every time I say that word, rural. Um, And Isn't it rural, honey? (laughs) Let's not get into that. So you have a lot of different people and a lot of different stories. And I came across, you know, unsolved murders and ghost towns where there's like five people living, you know, there after once boasting, you know, four or 500 people. So I think what, what we're going to discover on the trip is a lot of just oddities and also just normal things that you find on a on a large highway yeah absolutely like i said there was a lot to uncover and if you ever want to read about it i i'm gonna recommend it enjoy that rabbit hole it's there for you yeah but let me you can be there all day i'm gonna give you a few pop-off points to think about and then wayne's gonna talk about some things related to his home state of missouri um (laughs) but okay so let's start in Flagstaff, Arizona, which is... No, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we had our experience there. Um, yeah. So there's the Hotel Monte Vista in Flagstaff where there's a phantom bellhop that knocks on the door of room 210, and then when you answer it, they're not there, which, to be honest, a lot of times room service isn't there when they knock on your door and you don't get there quick enough, but I digress. Um, the Merrimack Caves... Cavern, sorry, in Stanton, Missouri, which were once the hideout of Jesse James. Supposedly, what? Another another guy <laughs> with a gun who's like, I'm going to take stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't get the obsession, honestly, with these, you know, people who were outlaws and murderers. It's like when we lived in North Carolina, they were obsessed with pirates. Like, obsessed with them. I mean, I can't tell you how many high school mascots were the blank pirates and... They had pirate festivals, and, you know, we went to one that actually delved into the historic aspects of pirate life and how they lived, but, you know, pirates were pretty awful people. They murdered, they raped, they pillaged, they did terrible things. I don't know why people want to glamorize them. How did we get to pirates again? We're we're talking about weird stuff, and and we talked about outlaws like Jesse James, and I just got off that topic. Okay. Okay, so... His ghost, Jesse James, supposedly still roams the caverns. So you might see him there dressed all in black. Then you have the Belvedere Mansion in Claremont, Claremar, thank you, Oklahoma, where you can get, and Wayne's going to love this part, you can get touched by the phantom hands of those who once lived there. Oh, that's that's a great idea. Let's get touched. <laughs> Let's go get touched in Claremore, yeah. Oklahoma. Speaking uh, of Oklahoma, there's actually one that both Oklahoma and Missouri both claim, and that's the uh, spook light, the Hollis light, or the Joplin spook light, however you want to look at it. But it actually was, um, I believe it's Hornet, Missouri, 
Yes, it is. There's a town called Hornet. A small town of Hornet, Missouri. Yeah, where they say where they see this spook light. This spook light, ghost light, whatever you want to call it, was at one point. Um, it's been investigated by the Army Corps of Engineers. Well, they could find. Didn't they build to the levees that didn't hold up down in? New Orleans, so... Yeah, but anyways... <laughs> I don't have high confidence in the Army Corps. Yeah, but that's the thing right there. I mean, they're going out there looking for scientific explanations True. to it. But if you really look into um, some of the encounters with the spook light, some of them well, what are the encounters? all the way back to the 1830s along the Trail of Tears. That's, that's the Trail of Tears is part of Route 66. Yes, that falls exactly. The, and just for those listening... Look up what the Trail of Tears is, because I'll get too way too upset if I talk about okay. it. But it's part of our horrible heritage with the indigenous people of our country. Yeah, but <clears throat> remember this, too. That was the 1830s. They were reporting this before cameras were big. Right. So, so you you're going on eyewitness testimony. Eyewitness testimony. But that's also, too, why the color also vary between white and green. And I think orange was one of the colors that you could see for this spook light. Wow, so it came in colors. It wasn't just white lights. That's right. And that's in an area called the Devil's Promenade, which is on the border between southwestern Missouri and northeastern Oklahoma, west of the small town of Hornet, Missouri. So that's where it gets its name from. Pretty interesting. They they go through it. Um, What did the Army Corps discover or not discover, did they say? uh, Mysterious light of unknown origin. Doesn't that kind of cover they could not a, find a, cause a huge for it. spectrum? Yeah. That that is that comes down to the military's explanation for everything. It's of unknown origin, and we can find no plausible reason for it to exist. Therefore, in our lexicon of reality, it does not exist. Thank you again, Public John Q. Public, for telling <laughs> us about this problem. Carry on with your normal lives. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna add to your lexicon statement, which I think kind of is symbolic of what we want to talk about, which is my 95% rule, which is whenever something is investigated, whether it's UFOs or other paranormal phenomena, you know, if they can explain 95% of it with rational explanation, but 5% of it remains unknown, they will insist that the 95 explains all of it and ignore the 5%. I'm just going to start saying it's space unicorns. Get over it. How about glitter pixies? That's my favorite. Okay. Glitter pixies, space unicorns, yeah. But Route 66, here we are on this road. Okay, so we we have weird lights. And, you know, when... Think about it. Those lights, too, that Hornet light, has been being seen before... There's a lot of lights like that, though. And I, I like, you have you have that, which I had heard about that light. And, and when you mentioned it in your research, it jogged my memory. Because you have the brown mountain lights. You have the Min Min light, which we just watched that special on, which is in Australia. And I know that the, the brown mountain lights, they have tried for decade upon decade to explain them as car lights reflected, you know, over the hill. And, you know, they'll they'll bend and twist any form of scientific explanation to make it fit. And it boggles the mind. Well, also, too, remember, hardcore researchers of the paranormal will bend and twist their facts to do the same thing. Exactly. I'm not you're saying right. either side is right. Right. No, you're right. You're right. Like, what was one of the weirdest things, Karen, here that you found about Route 66? Oh, Lord. 
No, um, you can either have found it from research or from personal experience. Um, what was the weirdest thing I found? I think there are just really long stretches of Route 66 that are so empty and devoid of anything. And you it makes you wonder... You, you could understand why the town initially died or the area initially died, you know, when Interstate 40 came through, but why never, ever came back? Like, why no one ever took, you know, came back in and reinvested in it? Um, and part of it is location and part of it is the lack of accessibility to, you know, major industry. But I think that's one of the most unusual to me. As far as strange experiences, we, we had a few. I mean, if you want to get into them, we can talk yeah, about Yeah, let's okay. get into that. So let's talk about what we went through. So you, let me set the, let me set the stage for our people. Okay, so it's 2000. I'm hauling up the curtain. Okay, so <laughs> it's 2008, and we're getting ready to leave the military. Now, I wasn't in the military. Wayne was in the military. So we are leaving California. Lemoore, which is the dead center of of California. It's right near the Mojave Desert. Super hot. Love the desert. Oh, yeah. So fabulous. We would have days out there that were 115 degrees in the shade. It was it was brutal. So, oops. But we're getting so, ready to leave. So we're, we're getting saying. ready to leave. We decide um, we're going to drive because it was infinitely cheaper. We couldn't chip our car. So we, th- I think, cool, you know, this is kind of a dream road trip. We're going to go from California all the way back to the East Coast. Um, so we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of time. So I had to budget and plan everything down to the hour. So I'm going to suggest to anybody who wants to do that cross-country road trip. I'm going to add one thing in here just what? so they get the true feeling. Now, all of this with two adults, you have a degree of difficulty of a times 1.5 maybe. But we had a one-and-a-half-year-old, so degree oh. of difficulty was ramped up by yeah. 10 to 20 at least. Yeah, packing up your house, packing your car, and doing it all with a uh, toddler on your hip at some point, or for both of us or one of us, was always an extra added joyful challenge. So we're, try- we're planning this fast hustle, right? We're- I've budgeted our days. We've got it you know, locked in. We'll drive so many hours a day. We'll get to a hotel. We'll stay overnight. So... Um, I get this sort of nostalgic <laughs> look. I've been forced to watch Cars, you know, the animated film, probably 50 times at this point because Jackson was super into it. And they have this whole kind of sad nostalgia, you know, how the town died. When this the is really what caused it. it, isn't it? Yes, it is. And so I start thinking, oh, that's so sad, these little towns and... You know, maybe we should, you know, kind of drive part of Route 66. And I say it to Wayne, and he goes, no. No. And he had no reason. He just kept saying no. I told her no. I didn't want to give her the reasonings because my You didn't re- really know, no, though. No, you, just- you know my reasonings when I told you no. It was mainly because of experiences I couldn't basically, you know, uh, be eloquent with to tell you why but you we hadn't been on Route 66, so you couldn't have... I, yeah, there are certain parts when we would drive back and forth from Norfolk, Virginia to Missouri that we would get on Route 66 to finish the trip to the hometown I'm from in Bethany, Missouri. Okay. Okay, so you want to know what? The no's were not because, oh, I'm just, I want to stay on schedule. Yeah. But carry on. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting that, that's you. That's fine, that's fine. So eventually... 
I, I wear him down. He was probably just tired of hearing me ask. So he agrees that we could do a short little stretch. So we start off. We're leaving one life behind, going to another. We're both full of emotion. So the first town we drive into is Flagstaff, Arizona. And <laughs> it's late at night. We have both been highly, highly charged all day. And this was the scene for the rest of the trip. So toddlers... He's in Jackson's in a car seat. I want to say this though that Sonic was the most gourmet hot dog I had. After yeah, that first exactly. Day. Anything tastes good after you've driven that long. Mine was mine was a chicken sandwich with a soggy piece of lettuce. Yum. So we're driving, and anyone who's driven with a toddler knows this: that you you give them pl- plenty of breaks, but you also have to know that at some point they're going to decide they don't want to be in that car seat anymore. So it's seven hours, seven hours exactly every day. And we were budgeted for eight hours of drive time. At seven hours, Jackson would start kicking the back of the driver's seat in this steady, rhythmic, furious, about-to-have-a-jailbreak-mama rhythm. And it drove us crazy. And then we would just start thinking, oh, God, we just got to get to the hotel. So we're driving, we're tired, we come around, it's late. Streets are dark. We come around this corner, and there's an apartment building that sits on the corner, and it's kind of curved so it fits the you know the parcel of land, and there are windows to an upper floor apartment that look out. So we're close enough that we can see up into the window, and as we're driving, we both kind of just glance. You know, we're trying to take in the sights, and we see this very still white figure standing in the window, looking down at us, and so we both kind of jump, and then we realize it's a mannequin. Some sick motherfucker had put a mannequin in the window to stare down at the street. And Wayne and I looked at each other and thought, well, welcome to the weird. Yeah, that was good. Loved it. Yeah. It was great. But I think our best one after that was the uh, road to uh, Roswell. Oh, God, yes. Yes, tell them. Tell them what that rose was like. Because okay. I insisted on going to Roswell because I wanted to see that whole area. So we were driving to Roswell. And to understand Roswell perfectly, it is a desert, people. And we did have to cross New Mexico. And my wife just wanted to stop there to get some souvenirs. Not a big deal. Yep. So the road out to Roswell is a two-lane blacktop. One for coming, one for going. Yep. I don't know why you need the one for coming. <laughs> Should just be one for going. But anyways. <laughs> but anyways. So it's, and it's hilly road too. So you, you're up and over these hills. And at one point we're just, uh, okay, I'm going to admit it. I was doing probably about 80, 85. There's no one out there. What are you going to do? It's miles of just deserted space. Miles. And every now and again it's dotted with a... Um, a gas station. So it's nothing but road and we're driving. The only time we're stopping is to get gas. And you're thinking to yourself, well, the aliens have picked a pretty good place to crash. How come we were so quick to get to them? There's nothing out here and there's no one to tell you. Good thing they crashed on someone's land or they would have never been found. All I kept thinking was, please don't let us break down. Don't let us break down because there's no way there was cell service. I mean, this was 2008 it isn't that great now. I can't even imagine what it was like back in 2008. 
but that right there was nothing but heat and driving. And now to complicate things, um, prior to leaving base, I had thrown my back out. So yeah. I was on about 50 milligram of Flexerol every six to seven hours. <laughs> so I wasn't really with it. And But at this one point, I had decided to forego the Flexerol and drive to give Karen a break. And guess what? I was like, oh, this is fun. Nice. But no, it was nothing out there. Nothing. We could have been driving along. An alien ship could have flown overhead, snatched us. And we would have been gone and no one would have seen us again. Yeah, you know, I, I've said it for a while. I really want to have an experience. I just don't want to have an abduction experience. It, you know, I just, no. I'll, I'll yeah. take one, two, or three. But what's behind door number four does not interest me. Um, because whatever happens to people who are abducted, and I, I'm not going to say that I definitively know it's an alien abduction or it's not an alien abduction, but it changes them forever. But you're going to talk about the town that we got to with the man and the no locked doors? Oh, my God. Yes, that town. Um, we had pulled over because we needed gas and um, we had stopped. There was an old gentleman sitting out in front of an old motel. And we'd stop and ask him where a gas station was because we really needed to use the bathroom. Very nice old man, but my wife had seen inside the piles of newspapers. I can open oh, yeah. up the old hotel for you. No, 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 no. You're, you're forgetting the whole part where yeah. I got out of the car because we had to walk. And it's one of those, like I mentioned earlier, a motel that was like a motorway motel. So you drove your car into, like, it was like a U-shape. And in the center of the U was this... Um, the office where they would, you know, yeah, and the- and there were newspapers piled from the floor to the ceiling. And it was clear that nobody had stayed in this motel probably in a decade. And so as we're standing there and Wayne's, you know, Wayne is raised in the South, so he's got some really good manners when he chooses to utilize them. What? And, <laughs> and so he's, he's chatting the guy up and I'm just looking and Jackson's in the car sleeping for once. It was rare, so we took advantage. And I'm looking at this motel going, I'm I'm not going in this motel. Like, there's no way. So when he offered to unlock the bathrooms in the motel, I was like, oh, no. And so Wayne, fortunately, and I have developed at this point, even though we were only married a few years, we had good telepathy. So We'd been married about, what, four or five? Yeah. Yeah, well, Jackson was only a year and a half, and we got married. So it was only a couple of years. Yeah, I can't believe you don't remember how long we were married, but uh, it's okay because you want to know what they say. You don't really need to remember that shit after you've been married a decade, and <laughs> all true. it's all the same. That's true. The only thing that changes are the creaks and cracks of your body at that point. Yeah, yeah, and your tolerance for the little things. So he's he picks up on the fact that I don't want to use this guy's bathroom, and so he eventually directs us to a gas station down the road or like a it was like a little quick check type place so we went there and then gassed up but you know there's just something about a lot of these towns that and i'm not trying to be disrespectful but there's just definitely a feeling you get and so while we didn't necessarily have any sort of paranormal experience when i was reading up on all the things that have happened just off of Route 66, because obviously there are small arteries and, you know, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, not cutoffs, but, you know, the exit ramp, sorry. There's exits, you know, that take you off. Um, but I think this is where Wayne and I developed our theory that when we're driving somewhere, if we can't see 
the gas station or the rest stop from the road we're on, we don't get off. No. No. Not at all. One too many time of the sign says, oh, gas, five miles. And so you can't see the gas station, but you say, oh, well, it says on the exit sign. And so you take that exit sign. And then you're driving. That's what they really meant. You're going to drive five miles five to miles. get that gas. And, you know, if you really need gas, you don't want to drive another five miles. Not only No. And you, you also don't. You don't want to be in some backwoods area where you could break down or, you know, whatever. Exactly. And the, the whole thing is it's the feeling we got from this place where yeah, it's like this, this is not where we want to be right now. So we and, left. And obviously... We gassed up and left fast. Yeah, we gassed up and left. And obviously... It's perception. It's, you know, we are the strangers. We are the interlopers, and it's their comfort zone, and it's not ours. But your but, face when she said, oh, we don't lock that, honey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when they tell you they don't lock any doors, you're like, oh. And that's, this is this is my pet peeve, and I'm going to say it right now. Every time I watch a true crime show, and people want to refer to their town where some horrible murder has occurred as, well, we never used to lock our doors. Well, then... You know what? Strike You're just one. idiots. Because humans, wherever they live, whether it's small town America or a big city, are all prone to horrible failings at times. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and that's almost like when we were driving through Oklahoma and you wanted to stop at that little roadside place. Oh. with the. Uh, <laughs> You're never going to let me live No, like no. That. We pull up. We get out. And Karen's going to pull Jackson on. I'm like, Karen, get back in the car. And she's you like, no. You have to set the scene, though. Okay. So it's really hot. It's a desert setting, and there's this big building that was un- very unfortunately shaped to look like a a wigwam or an, a, a teepee. you know a teepee. You know, obviously cultural appropriation at its finest. But, but that isn't the best part. The best part is it's a gravel drive. I'm like, okay, whatever. It's a gravel drive. But when we get up there, first of all. I'm just feeling uneasy pulling well, up. You're always paranoid wherever it, we well, go. Well, <laughs> this was more than normal, okay? So I'm feeling uneasy pulling out. I'm like, whatever, I want to stretch my legs. I get out, and um, Taryn's the driver. I get out, and I'm walking around to the driver's side. She's getting our son out, and I notice there's two cars there, all tires flat, bullet holes in the windows. <laughs> and something inside me says, Karen, get back in the fucking car now. She's like, but don't even unstrap him. Get in. I'm driving, and we drove right the fuck up out of there. Because the feeling of unease I had just from that particular location was enough to motivate me to say, hey, we're not being here. We're out. Yeah. Yeah. I call it road blindness when you're just driving as long as we were, that you just, you sort of lose that that sensitive awareness to situations. Because I'm usually the one who's paranoid about things and going, I don't like the way this looks, or this looks a little sketch. But I, I have to mention the two things that I did experience on the road that like, again, I'm not going to say they were supernatural or paranormal, but they were definitely made me uneasy. So we've segued onto route 66. And at first I'm just enjoying it, you know, cause we're driving and it's, it's very country and you're just driving and you know, I'm, I'm just kind of like being mellow and Wayne falls asleep and Jackson's asleep and I'm driving along and all of a sudden, and this was probably, uh, I want to say outside of Arizona, but um, that's where the uh, car fire happened and you were put onto it, remember? Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. We got put onto it. So we're driving and we pass this. I don't know what it was. Like, if I could remember, because it's been a long time, I would go back and look on a map or and see exactly what town this was. But it looked like 
a short row of like a, like a hotel that went off to the left, and then there was like a front porch to it, and there were these people, like six or seven of them, just sitting there, just watching. And Route 66, you have to understand, it's not heavily trafficked. There's no cars that go up and down it anymore, and we're surrounded by wilderness, not wilderness, I'm sorry. It's like barren landscape, so it's just dusty. There's nothing for them to really be looking at, but they're just staring. And now they're staring at us. And I'm driving past, and I'm like, this is just really creepy. Like, why are these people just standing there? And so then not more than 20 paces up the road. Pace, oh, my God, did I just say paces? I'm sorry. Like, just 20, 30 feet up the road. There's this tree. And I'm not going to tell you what kind of tree it was because I don't remember. But it was quite large, and people's shoes were all hanging from it like sneakers and regular shoes. And I'm not talking four or five people. I'm talking about 30 are all tied to these branches. And at this point, I'm like, I want to get the fuck off this road because I don't know what's going on, but I'm not comfortable. And Wayne's asleep and Jackson's asleep. So now I start looking for what I would normally look for, some well, kind of exit. Some to bring that up to your point for the shoe tree, there is one in Arizona, in Sunflower, Arizona. Okay, just for just you know. As well, I did. I did research. In my research, I did see that there are shoe trees. I don't know that it was my shoe tree. I just know that it was the weirdest shit. But I, you got a feeling from that, right? Tree. I got a I got an uncomfortable feeling. It's abnormal. That we it's, are not stopping here, right? Well, I wasn't planning that, on that anyway. That right there. Okay. Speaking of the spooky and the paranormal, since you know that's our bent and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That feeling right there is your first feeling of we should get the fuck out of here. If you ever have that feeling and you're doing something along those lines and your body just says for some reason we should get the fuck out of here, guess what? Listen. Yeah. The, because that is how, oh, they've been missing for three days and we're found floating in the river happens. <laughs> I would say that there is a very critical balance in your brain between your evolved brain and your animal brain. And anyone who wants to know what I'm talking about, read a book called The Gift of Fear. I forget the author's name. I'll have to put it on the page. But the point is, is that your animal brain has been with you since, you know, prime, you know, prime. The dawn of The dawn of time. And woman. woman. And your animal brain is always on the alert. It's always looking for danger. So what I think Wayne has honed in on is that your animal brain, because it's more primitive, because it's not being distracted by your your you know your phone and the TV and all these other things, it's always thinking, I have one job, and my job is to keep this person alive. And so it's hyper-tuned. It can pick up on things that your normal brain will go, oh, that's just a noise, or oh, that's this. I mean, it's no joke when we put our intro, you know, strange lights, you, noises in the dark. You can you can assign whatever you want to this animal brain feeling. Your guardian angel, your ancestors, your spirit right, guide. Right, exactly. Whatever you want to call it. But just know one thing. It's telling you something, and you should be listening. That's right. Not blindly charging ahead. Yeah. It's definitely, and if that means that you have to sacrifice an experience or that you have to walk away from something when everyone else is like, oh, it's fine, there's no problems, you better do it because it's going to save your life. 
Oh, definitely. Or will. just your sanity. So yeah. yeah, so I I get this creeped out feeling, and so I start poking Wayne to wake him up, which let me tell you is a feat upon itself because my husband doesn't wake up very easily. No. Because I'm trying to now get off Route 66. Now suddenly there's no more charm. There's no more appeal. I just want to get off Route 66. And there's no, this is the thing. When they put in the interstate, they severely limited your access points. So you could drive through town after town after town after town before you're going to find a way back to the interstate. So I've gone through about two towns, and I'm trying to wake, you know, Wayne up. I'm elbowing him, and he's like, he doesn't want to wake up because he's in pain. And so finally, I get him awake. I say, how do I get off Route 66? And he said, follow the trucks. The trucks will always find their way back to the interstate. So sure enough, like at the next light, there was a a big, you know, um, 18-wheeler. So I just slid in behind that, you know, that one, and boom, followed them and they took a left somewhere up the road that I, I didn't think was going to take us to the interstate, but it did. And then we never left the interstate again, <laughs> ever. <laughs> and there ends our sabbatical on Route 66. Exactly. So, but I'm, I'm going to say the one thing we learned about it is that it is something to be enjoyed at times. It's not something when you need to be somewhere. Yeah, I would go back down. After everything that we researched, I would plan to spend two to two and a half, you know, about two weeks, and I would make sure that I knew exactly where I was going. And there are some really, there are some really, really cool things that you can find on Route 66. There's a diner that's been in the same family since 1930. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of attractions. Even some of the ghost towns just look. You know, just amazing. Yeah, so. like even even that uh, Red Garter uh, bed bed and breakfast, or as they call it, the Garter Inn in Williams, Arizona. Yeah, that's a haunted place. Or the Murder Bordello. Yeah, that's where Belle Star. Yeah, she uh, wasn't she, she a crazy madam who just blasted. No, Belle Star was a famous like gunslinger. She was like the. She was like the kind of nefarious. She was like the nefarious Annie Oakley, <laughs> yes. but. Um, yeah, Bellstar, um, right across from, in the same town where Bellstar lived, across the street from, I think, like, her home where she grew up, there was a bordello, and it's kind of like Sweeney Todd. this is along Route 66, Yes, right? along Route 66. And this is in one of the smaller towns. Like, you, I think it actually goes through this town, and you can go, they say it's haunted, and basically they would kill off their johns, and they would chuck them down a chute in the oh, back. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good one. You know? Hit the highway. So, um, so that's Route 66, and uh, we're going to probably wrap this up, but I'll... What? Cu- we're wrapping what up? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, yeah, I have to say, I mean, we... The, the history of Route 66 is interesting, mainly because it, it, was, it was a road to get everyone around and, you know, to get people out of the Dust Bowl and to push them out to California. It was vital. And it, was it was vital to America's vital. development. It and, was. And look at look at one of the great works of uh, great works of fiction it inspired based upon that time in our history. Well, I don't the know Great Zerath inspired it, but yeah, yeah. No, I mean, well, think about it. It, it was, was a in, significant part of yeah. the story. Exactly, and you know, going beyond that, Route sixty six is really a treasure that we should keep because yeah. while it may not have anything that is dark or unfamiliar, but letting it, but these towns that sit along it empty, those are. Let's face it, highways like Route 66 
are embedded in our cultural history, they're embedded in our nation's history, and they tell the story of all the towns and all the people that built America, and they remind us that America isn't a superhighway, it's a lonely road at night, it's, it's a winding curve, it's a lot of things that, when they come together, create everything that makes up the tapestry of our country, and they shouldn't be forgotten, they oh, should be re- remembered. Yeah. So have a great time exploring Route 66 if you go and get your kicks. And also, too, if you do it, post pictures. Yes, definitely. And this time I will be posting, we are on Twitter, we are on Instagram, and we have an email. So feel free to email us questions, email us if you've got something you'd like us to take a look at. By all means, hit us up. All right. Thanks again for joining us. It's appreciated. And thanks for coming down the dark and unfamiliar road.